Hello and welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. A special one today as we're joined by the latest member of the Milwaukee Admirals to have his number retired by the team, number 20, Darren Hadar. Good to see you, man. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. Really good to see you. I, You know what's so funny is is I've been thinking a lot, all se- really all season long. You've been gracious enough. You joined me last year in the playoffs uh, on the radio show. You've always given time on the radio show. And what's so funny is when I got this job, I came in in a bad situation. Kyle Schultz had passed. And none of you guys knew who I was. Not a clue. And, nor should you have. Um, and it, it's so fu- and I and I was still living in Madison, so I was st- I've been thinking a lot that I've known you better, not in Milwaukee, but but I, I spent more time talking to you, which is so funny to me. I've spent more time talking to you when you were with Chicago or Grand Rapids or Lake Erie than I have when you when we were together for just that one season, which is just it, it kind of blows my mind, but it also says a lot about you, I think, that you've been so gracious with your time with me over the years. Is that my fault or your fault for uh, me not talking to you? <laughs> well, it's mostly mine. I, I, It's mostly mine. This isn't about me. It's, no, it's I definitely know. I'm, mostly, I'm, I'm it, it is mostly mine, but but it, 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 it does say a lot that, uh, that, like I said, you've been gracious with your time with me, who in, I, I was here just a short time in your stint, uh, but I think it shows more not necessarily about me, uh, but it shows your affinity for the team and for the city and for uh, how you grew and and started your life here, your professional life, your adult life here in Milwaukee. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I, for for me, you just said you know last little bit is this is where I got my start. This is where I learned to be a pro. This is uh, you know a, a big part of my life was and and professional career. It all started in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So for me. Uh, you know, hockey players, and I think I learned this from my parents, is, you know, how how do we, how are we hockey players? Well, we need fans. We need those people to, to support us, and I've always looked at it that way, and giving back and, and, you know, speaking with you guys has been, I guess, my, you know, avenue for, for just keeping that alive. And sure. I know some players don't always look at it that way, that they need to give their time, and for me, you know, what's a 15-minute phone call in terms right. of – so for me, that's that's the way I look at it is just always being there for the game that was there for me. But you always like, yeah, what you said there, it was interesting what you said about the fans and, and they need to come. So, you know, movie stars aren't movie stars if nobody's coming to the game. It's it, in a way you're a salesman in a, in a big way. You're a salesman Ab- if you're as a professional athlete. Absolutely. And when Charlie and I talked earlier about, you know, community outreach, how do you draw more people? How do you make the? How do we make the game grow? Mm-hmm. Well, you got to get younger kids involved. And when I sp- say, especially in markets like this, M- Milwaukee is a hockey. You know, it's a hockey city. It, but but how, not how an NHL you, market. But not an N- NHL market. How do you get those cities to grow? How do you get more people in love with the game? Well, right. you you have to touch them, and that's. I've always looked at it that way. Yeah. How how did you fall in love with the game? Right. What I mean, you grew, you grew up in a suburb of Toronto, so n- you're going to be a Leafs fan, I assume. Uh, yeah, I, you are even a black sheep if you're a Canadians fan, I suppose. Right. Huh? I do have a friend who is a Canadians fan. I'm. I'm, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a But your parents wouldn't let you associate with them. Uh, I'm a hockey fan. I'm not uh, as you know. The, the, my parents and family would tell you I'm not a. I'm not. Nec- I'm not a Leaf fan. I'm. I'm a hockey fan. I love good hockey. I love uh, great plays and. Whether it's Toronto or not, I don't have an attachment to the Leafs. So for me, 
when I watched in the playoffs, you know, was it two years ago when Nashville was was there? I I had I felt like I had a little bit of a an, an connection. attraction connection yeah. with the team. So for me, that's I, I've got more of a connection there than I do with the Leafs. Sure. What what did I you know I grew up watching the Leafs. Um, who was you know, your who were your favorite players as a kid? Doug Gilmore. Doug Gilmore was obviously. You know, watching the Leafs, uh, you know, Rick Vive was, was big. I wanted to be a goaltender. For you just showed your age right there, which is <laughs> awesome to me. Rick, Rick Vive, that's awesome. For me, uh, you know, Alan Bester, for a period of time, I wanted to be a goalie. So, yeah. Do you ever talk with Todd Richards about Alan Bester? I have not talked to well, him. Well, okay, then I'll save that for you you guys to have that conversation. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, non, you know, non-Leafs, I grew up a Blackhawks fan for a period of time, Steve Larmer. Um, Jeremy Roenick. Cam Neely with Boston was – we played very similar. So, sure. Uh, <laughs> right. Both power right. forwards. Yeah, right? absolutely, you know. So I don't know why. I don't know. I Just the Rock'em Sock'em videos, I think, drew me to him. You know, he could hit, he could score, fight, whatever he needed to do to uh, help his team win. And then, obviously, Gretzky was someone I watched and admired the way that he played and saw the game, and that's what I tried to, to emulate. You, I'm, emulate. I'm curious if you're really from Toronto because you didn't say Wendell Clark. I, you know what? I I had <laughs> other players at at that time, and a bunch of my friends I think like Wendell like you Clark say, like you're not you you would never emulate Wendell Clark, right? No, I on at moments I'd probably try, but not very successfully. <laughs> <laughs> so that's you. I'm I'm always I'm always interested when a when a kid from Canada chooses Canadian or a U.S. university as opposed to. Major the junior. junior route yep. in, in Canada. What was that situation like for you? Well, I would say I explored that route very minimally. But for myself, I think my parents did a good job of guiding me in. You know, when I say which route to take, I was, at the time, I was smaller. Let's be honest. I was barely five foot in high school, uh, having more time to develop, and then getting an education. To me, that's the most logical. Even, I don't want to say even at that time, I... It, it happened fast for me because I was smaller. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and let's be, uh, to be clear, right, you, to, so to make sure we're clear, you have to, it's, you're 14, well, 15 years old, right, when, when major junior teams draft you or show interest, right? 15 yeah, years I'd old? Say 15, 15. And so then, if you're not of the right size at 15, you're going to be passed over and, or and r- I, write and, anything. And, you're and I was, over. and I would say we had one player drafted that, or I think he was drafted, and he barely played on our team. And when I say he barely played, he played, but he wasn't nowhere near the best. But, but they, he was they, six he, foot he tall was, or whatever. He was whatever, big, and yeah. they, they just extrapolated, basically. E- exactly. Uh, you know, having said that, I did go do some uh, skates with the Barry Colts and Burt Templeton for a period of time. And, you know, for me, n- nothing really came, actually. I need to talk to my parents more about, you know, how that – ended up but i knew they didn't guarantee me anything and even at that what do they guarantee you they, right. they don't so for they me don't guarantee you it, anything right well that's absolutely they well more more so they lie to you and tell you that i was gonna say you're this. only as good yeah. as your word at that yeah and and nowadays you know they they sign things beforehand and and such but you know there's it still goes on in the ohl where they tell the ohl they're not going just so you can be placed on the right teams yeah so for me College made the most sense. At a period of time, I wanted to go for golf. So, and th- this is how, that's how it happened for me. I was smaller. I was, my stats were v- really good, but I don't think I had, 
had the attention that some of the others did that were bigger. And, you know, for me, from a hockey perspective, it happened pretty quick uh, after my first year of junior. What kind of attention did you get from college? A lot, were a lot of colleges well, my calling? My first year, not much. And then uh, I had Matt Van Arkel, who went to Notre Dame, lived with us. And we had, when I say schools calling, there was, you know, it felt like on a nightly basis we had, you know, he ended up choosing Notre Dame, but there was every school. He was a blue chip prospect that decided to go to Notre Dame. He's from uh, Illinois, mm -hmm, played sure. for Team Illinois. And for him, that was his dream. Sure. So I think that started the whole uh, you know, the snowball for me of, oh, I can do this. This is somewhere where I can go. And uh, I think Michigan Tech was the first school to reach out. And then when it came down to it, I had, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, and UNH. And for me, UNH. Was Tim Waters coaching Michigan Tech? Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, and, you know, they came to, to meet with us. And for whatever reason, I, I didn't jump on that. It was new. It was fresh. And then they withdrew their, their uh kept going and then all of a sudden it was like boom 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 i had michigan michigan state university of new hampshire i went to university of new hampshire on a recruiting trip and during that time i was pretty close to the scoring record in the the junior league so i only ended up going to unh i loved it although there was a nice storm while we were there so i didn't even get to see the game <laughs> uh, but I went out with the guys, and you know what? They made me feel comfortable. The The town was smaller. It's not like going to a 50,000 uh, student school. Right. It's more fit towards where, you know, in my hometown of Milton. And not only that, they were losing a few other top scorers, so it felt like a right place to jump in and play right away because at that time, you know, some players did redshirt. Some players, yeah. you know, you're freshmen, you're, you're not getting the opportunities that, you know, nowadays you have to get those opportunities. I think you right. parents and kids aren't going to go to school uh, sitting out a year and not, not playing. Well, so look at how many non-traditional, you know, Arizona State right off the bat, right? They, yep. The Penn State when they started the program right away. They're a very good team. Absolutely. So those are just different, you know, for me, reasons that I, you know, loved the thought of going to UNH and then decide, ended up deciding the coaching staff was great on my recruiting trips. I'm not saying that they lied to you, but I, I'm sure that happens in college where they promise players certain things and then it doesn't end up coming too. So right. it, it's both ends of, and you have to figure out as a, as a parent and as a player, okay, read between the lines right. as to where you're going to fit they mean? in. What you're, do they you mean? You know, it, it, it worked out well, obviously. And I think you're very lucky in the fact that it didn't happen until you're 17, 18, 19 years old. I had, I had a buddy who's still coaching at the college level and he told me years ago that he would, he would have to go into a 14-year-old's home and say, take it or leave it. That's and like you said, you're yeah. extrapolating and all of that, but yep. you're telling a, a kid who's probably six years away from, and I'm working, from playing in college, and you're telling him. And I'm know. doing skill development with some players, and that's what they're going through right now. Yeah. So I'm trying to you know, lend my experiences to, to those families as how can they navigate their own way through, through the process. Yeah, yeah. So so you have a, a obviously a very good college career. You get drafted in the ninth round, which doesn't even exist, doesn't exist anymore, anymore, right? Uh, but do you remember when you – what were – did you have – you didn't have an agent, obviously, at the time. Family advisor. Family advisor. <laughs> did they say, well, we expect you to get drafted, but, like, you know, back then free agent – college free agents aren't as big as they are now. Now there's that's a that's a heavy – uh, a yeah, very a big deal. Big deal. 
Um, and what? Where were you when you were when you found out you were drafted? Well, first thing, when I say I would have preferred not being drafted, it wouldn't have lended me to the opportunities that I was given. Right. But I would have been in a much better position because you can there's go... no leverage for college players once they're drafted. As right. to, we had a few go that were drafted that go back to major junior so that they then become uh, UFA again. Right. Whereas if you're a college, college player, you've got no leverage. You yeah. can't. You can just sit out. That's all you can do. You can hold out. And um, but yeah, I was drafted in uh, the ninth round, and near the end, I was. We were at the cottage. I think I was on the pontoon boat when I think uh, we got the the phone call and uh, was told. Your that mom runs out with a cordless phone, right? <laughs> One of those big cordless phones. <laughs> ah, I can't get reception out here. What is he saying? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a great feeling to be drafted, uh, drafted by Nashville. It gave me a lot of friendships that uh, I still have today, and it gave me a Calder Cup but here in Milwaukee and an opportunity to play for a great team. But and did I, you think at that point that you were actually going in ninth round pick? And Nashville's only at that time. I don't think Nashville's only new, two yeah. years old, yeah. right? Or I didn't. I don't think I really even thought of playing pro hockey until it actually happened. It was you know you're young, you're when you say you're young and dumb, you're just – I just took it one day at a time. I don't think I was really – even my after I was drafted, I played three more years of school. Right. So, for me, it wasn't, okay, am I leaving early? Am I uh, taking that next Was step? that ever a consideration to no, leave early? No, it, it You know, and again, I was smaller, right? So, playing at school and then being a captain at school. Hobie uh, Baker getting finalist. A getting a degree was important yeah. to me as well, and – if I would have left, would I have gone back to get that? How many players actually go back and get it once they – if I was a first round, I would have got a, a huge signing bonus. Okay, now I can afford to do that. Right. But, but that's uh, that didn't happen for me. And no doubt it was important for your folks, too, for you to get that degree. No, no question. And they, again, my parents guided me in, in the right way. Like, they didn't pressure, they didn't push, but they gave me the information and they pretty much let me make the decisions. But yeah. it was uh, – and, and let's be honest, it's not like Nashville was knocking on the door for me to leave early either. So um, finishing out that that side of it, going to the end in Nashville, I felt like I felt completely comfortable going into my first year of training camp after I had signed, which was pretty close to training camp. Yeah. And, you know, getting that opportunity. Having said that, when I was sent down my first uh, after the first training camp, I think it gave me a chip on my shoulder because, you know, Dave Poyle called me in and told me he was going to send me down to Milwaukee, but he saw me playing in Toledo. Yeah. Well, Which, I, I mean, the, you don't want to hear that, but how often do we hear now is that, like, there's not, there's not that transparency and that truth in, in, in the way they talk to people. Like, they don't yeah, – Absolutely. That, that would I, I cause do. a guy to quit. I <laughs> True. These kids these <laughs> days, it's different. Yeah. Uh, no, I give I – give, Dave Boyle credit for telling me it that way, whereas I know some others. I'm not saying him, but right. they haven't been given the information, in my opinion, fairly. And it, you know, for them to make those decisions and and such. But he, you know, he sent me down, but I wasn't happy with him when he gave me the, you know, that that that's that was his plan for me. Right, right. You know, I think I came down in my first few exhibition games in Milwaukee. I was very successful, and which probably earned me a spot on the team here. But again, coming into game one, I was, I think it was me and Mitch Fritz were the 11th and 10th and 11th forwards because yeah. we didn't dress four lines. 
That, All right, that 17. Right. It was three it was seven, lines 17, plus two, yeah. yeah. Three yeah. lines yeah. plus two, yep, developmental league. And, right. And that going into that first game, I was like, well, how much ice time am I actually going to get? Yeah. <laughs> I've got Mitch Fritz, who's six foot seven, playing on my, playing on my line, and there's two of us, so – you know, where am I going to fit in? Yeah. You know, again, and you never wish this upon anybody, but I think we had two or three injuries in that game. And I ended in up. In the first game. In the first game. And I ended up coming out of the game with three points and kind of a, a, a new life on, I shouldn't say my career, but, you know, I, I think. It, it, I, it's no doubt that you've got the confidence in yourself, but being out there, going out and having success just reinforces well, that confidence. Peter, Peter Horacek is a new guy. Yep. To the organization, yep. he's never seen you play, obviously. So you got to, yeah. It, again, it's I've selling. I've got to earn his it's trust, business. and that's something I give my parents credit for. Is is well, you got to work your. How work do you build your, that equity? You got to well, you got to do that. You got to you know make your coaches trust you, but make them have to play you. Make yes. them want to play right. you. Right. So Don't give the them job. a choice. Exactly. Exactly. So for me, that's obviously early in that year, and I think throughout that year, that was my goal was just to make them keep me in the lineup. Yeah, because I know if I'm in the lineup, I'm gonna, you know, whether I get three shifts or, you know, eight shifts, I'm gonna make an impact on the game. Who are you playing with? Do you remember who would, uh, like, who was your primary line Fritz. mates after Mitch Fritz? Yeah, uh, Brian Lundbaum and I'm trying to think who the other one. Cameron Mann. Cam he was uh, well, was his North second, Dakota, yeah. second, second year. year. Yep, he was second year. So and and you know what, we we clicked pretty well, and and that was after even if you want to turn it back a little bit at that rookie camp in in Nashville. You know, I played with Radulov and with Radulov. Was it, I don't know if it was Upshaw that year in the Very two games against Columbus. He was in '99, and we draft. did, and we did, we did really well in that game. So I, you know, obviously I was hoping that that would open up you some know, eyes. eyes. Yeah. Having said that, the eyes were on Radulov and, and Upshaw, Upshaw and not me, right? I wasn't a, when I say I wasn't a prize possession for the organization, so I had to work my way into that. So you came in, one of your good friends, at least that it seemed like your first year, would have, was Andrew Hutchinson, a Michigan Stater, played in the original outdoor game, right? Like the Michigan-Michigan State at the big house, you know, yada, yada, yada. That was a pretty good, uh, that turned out pretty good friendship for you, right? Absolutely. We were both in each other's weddings, and, uh, you know, I respected him as a player because he was an offensive defenseman, that right-handed shot, that on the power play, he was always open. He jumped in the play, and for me, hitting the fourth guy entering the zone uh, through the seam or or even just coming into the zone, jumping in through through seams was the guy I like to hit because everyone knows forwards don't always get to their spots. They think that <laughs> the play – well, they think the play is ahead of them, right? So they don't – you don't always give those two extra pushes, and if you're a stick length away, you're in trouble. Right. So for me, finding that guy was – and I'm of the belief that defensemen should score just as much as forwards – given that reason yeah. yeah hutch was an interesting guy in so in so much as he had one of the driest sense of humors ever like you didn't know if he's t if you're talking to him and you'd never met him before you think he made this guy's a jerk right <laughs> but he wasn't like that at all not at all he's he's one of my favorite people he's uh he's a great guy he uh great roommate we spent a lot of time together and um so you lived together in milwaukee we lived together in milwaukee and then where we, did you live uh, we lived at the Blatts. At the Blatts. And then, uh, so for two years, and then the year that he was gone, we we lived together in, um, in the, well, I lived in the Blatts, I think, for three years. Did so. you really? Yeah. I don't think they use the Blatts for, uh, apartments anymore. I think they're all condos now. Yeah. They were, they were transitioning that my last year here. 
Gotcha. And so, like, you got did you get grandfathered in? I'm staying here. So <laughs> I think we did the the one year because they were picking and choosing as to which ones they were turning into condos at, at the time. But you know, I, it was one of my favorite reasons for playing in Milwaukee was we had 15 guys living in that building. Yeah. And it felt like an extension of college. Sure. Right. You know, I not to put anybody under the bus, but you know, it was it was almost like okay. I'm not doing anything tonight. And then all of a sudden you get four guys knocking at your door and okay, now you're out for dinner and you know, <laughs> now maybe you're going to McGillicuddy's good thing. I made good decisions and I was, I was home <laughs> at reasonable times, but right. You know, but it was, it's what brought us close together. Sure. I know the game's a little different now as guys don't go out as much and things, but uh, it's definitely what, what brought the team together. Yeah. And I re- Vern Fiddler had said one time after he'd been, you know, a guy, you you played with Vern, obviously. Yep. And he goes up into the NHL full time. And uh, we, we, we saw uh, saw him at a game, you know, in Nashville maybe, or in Chicago or something. And, you know, how are things? Oh, it's great. But it's just different. In the American League, in the NHL, guys are with their families. There's yep. Guys aren't tight. In the AHL, in Milwaukee, guys, like, everyone's best friends. You can go call up anybody. And this guy doesn't want to go out tonight or do whatever, but this guy does. So it, well, it's just you're different. all new, right? Yeah. You're all fairly new to immunity. You got it, it, it is, but in the in the across Ameri- the world in the American League, Milwaukee was when I say the best situation because the, the Blatz was our dorm. Right. Uh, when when I played in other places, I lived 45 minutes away from some guys. Sure. Right. So, so it's hard to get together just for how, dinner. Or how often did the, your neighbors in the Blats were they taking the broomstick and it's <laughs> one, you know a little late where they they're hitting the, the the floor like shut up. You know what? It's an old brewery. The noise doesn't travel <laughs> in that building. Built well, <laughs> yeah. It was definitely built really well. So you know what? It, it's it, it's from an experience standpoint, Milwaukee, it, from a living perspective, was would be my number one choice as to, you know, where I played. It was... And you could practically walk to the rink from the Blats. We did. I, I, all playoffs, I always walked. Is it in Paul uh, Brown's skateboard? Uh, she- yeah. Seamus, Kotick would, Seamus Kotick would skateboard. Yep. He had one of those long, long skateboards, boards. like yep. a six-footer. <laughs> yep. he'd, he'd have to walk it home. Like he was surfing home, right. surfing down. Right. I'm made. I'm, this is it. This is a good thing. I'm NHL next year. No, because I, I still didn't feel that Nashville... That Thought was, of you. Right. Because so you got a couple games that year, right? I got a couple games that year. Um, you know, and then after uh, after year one, Pete Horchuk was gone. Claude Noel came in. So it was almost like a fresh start again. Right. Yeah. Um, the start of the year, you know, Claude pushed and prodded me a little bit. And, I, you know, I, I, looking back on it, I give him a lot of credit. He didn't want me to become complacent and just kind of float through. He wanted more from me. And I didn't like it at the time. Sure. Uh but I appreciate it more after I was gone, and uh, so I, I, I definitely give him credit because it, it definitely pushed me to be – it put that chip back on the shoulder to, to work that much harder. Charlie did a great job putting a book together uh, for the 50th season of Admirals Hockey. I don't know if you've seen this or not. No, but he's going to sign a bunch of autographs on it. He but, doesn't know this yet. But tell the, what Ray Shiro yeah. said in there, which I, I want to know we if didn't it's hear true. This, we, didn't, we had never heard this never before, heard this but part. Ray had said to you, like, listen, Darren, I know you're not happy – Let's go the two weeks. If it doesn't work out in two weeks, I'll look to trade you. Yep. And imagine how different things are for your life in the history of the Milwaukee Admirals if that happens. Yeah. But things started to click, and well, it was. Or did you just? Or did you just say like, put your head down and let's get through it? Yeah. I think that I was turning the corner, and and Claude was giving me more 
more leash responsibility more leash more trust more whatever yeah and you know if i'll go a step further it was and i tell tell my family it was I, I from my understanding he had a situation in carolina that happened and the player that would have been coming back played in the stanley cup finals and won a stanley cup that year so that's you know it, would that have been me i don't know right but could that have been me yeah so that's crazy. We, we go on huh? to win a Calder Cup, and I was a, a part of that team. And uh, That's being well, very humble. Well, it, <laughs> let's be honest. We're all pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. It doesn't matter which piece you are. And for me, that's we needed every guy we had in that locker room to win. And, yeah, I, you know, on the score sheet, I looked great, but we needed everyone. Yeah. So for me, you know, wh which would have been better? We can s sit here and say what if, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but – I, you know, again, I give Ray a lot of credit for giving me the time because most, you know, you hear Brian Burke on the radio right now. As soon as a guy says he wants, he doesn't want, he wants to be traded, he's like, I, I get him out the door. Yeah. You yeah. know, it was more of a communication process with Ray Shiro than it was, you know, screw this kid for opening his mouth. But for me, I'm not saying I was too good to be in this league in any way, shape, or form. All I wanted was an opportunity. Yeah. All right, with that, we'll take a quick break here with Darren, and we'll come back and talk more about uh, so much more with Darren and the Milwaukee Admirals. This is the Milwaukee Admirals podcast. Okay, we're back. Darren Hadar, Charlie Larson, let's Aaron Let's get Sim. to the juicy stuff. Let's get to, the, let's get to the, the championship season. We talked about the beginning of that season. When did you know, Darren, that uh, it was a special team, that, it, that something good, really good would happen? Uh, well, I think that that season all along, I knew we had a lot of pieces. It was just they, they added on the right pieces. You know, we, uh, we had great leadership uh, in the second year. We, you know, we added – Curtis Murphy. We added a couple guys who had won within the league, and not not that they did anything differently, but you just see that it calmed and made everyone comfortable. Uh, obviously, between between the pipes, we had Wade Flaherty, mm -hmm. an older guy, and that just sets the tone for the team. Then you add on, you know, you add on Tony Herkus and you know Brad Tiley, Ray Schultz, and those type of guys that you know Matthew Darsh just calming influences within the room it wasn't um even even if you want to look at our black aces that year we had uh matt hendricks come in and yeah. we had our team was so deep that we any given night i you know ride us we had guys who could fight we had guys who could score scorers or mm -hmm. possession type players we had every single avenue if teams wanted to play us a certain way we could play them back that way that way or yeah. or counter it with with our way of playing those I, guys that came in all still have an nhl dream i don't know that any of those that you mentioned ever played for nashville and nashville's sort of in its infancy at the time too it's like fifth season or sixth season at this point so there's still it, it's so amazing to me because you the names you mentioned curtis murphy's a, uh, an eddie shore winner and, and champion uh, the names brought in I'm sure they all hoped to be in Nashville for some stint and for whatever reason it didn't work out. And Nashville was starting to maybe hit its stride a little bit. That probably the first time they started to hit its stride. But to have that group of veterans come together in a developmental league is is pretty amazing. 
No question. I, the other thing I think if you if I want to point out is you know you know if I want to go deeper, you know, Wyatt Smith. We had guys who had won at the NCAA level, sure, at the junior level. It to me, it's no wonder that we had guys who had been on deep runs before. It wasn't it wasn't where we had when I say big time prospects, where guys came in looking out for themselves. Because I find that is is also a big when I say problem. It's the American League. Let's be honest. Everyone's trying to get to the Nobody NHL. Nobody wants to right. be here, right? If 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 one person strays from the the you know the the plan the plan, you know you, they're looking out for themselves. That year, everybody was happy coming to the rink. Everybody had a great time. We, you know, we, everybody went out to, for dinner together. Everybody did everything uh, as a team. And at at the American League level, especially, that's half the battle. Is getting everybody to buy in as a team rather than how can I get myself to the to the next level. Right. There was some adversity at the end of that year before we got into the playoffs. Team was not playing great, uh, and Nashville sent Robert Schnabel down, who was a big, tall defenseman and bald, cue ball head, and he created a veteran issue for the team. Do you remember this? I I vaguely I remember. Vaguely, it. and yeah. so. Tylee had to sit out a game, and they just Claude was rotating the veterans, and it was an issue because Robert Schnabel didn't want to be here, yeah. right? Uh, not he, invested. Not invested. Hadn't been here the whole year. Nashville sort of decided that well, we're done with him. We don't want him anymore, so they sent him to Milwaukee. But it creates a problem, and eventually he ends up going home. But you know, there there's always those things where. You know, you get to a fork in the road, and what are you going to do? And, and in, in any championship season, I'm sure you can look back, and I think of that as that was a fork in the road. Nashville, Claude, Ray, whoever it was, ended up doing the right thing, keeping this team together, realizing this is special, and uh, and Robert Schnabelak goes home, and we go on to win it. Not without some challenges in the first round of the playoffs, though, right? Against Cincinnati. Yep. We go down 3-1. to one. What's the mood in the locker room after you go down 3-1 to one, Cincinnati? Your best team got the best record in the AHL. Fourth place team. Ilya Brzgalov's their goalie. Uh, what what was the mood in the locker room like after that when you guys go down 3-1? to one? I think the the mood was the same as the whole year. We were calm. We weren't – when I say we weren't a young team, we had little bits of everything. You know, we had uh, – I believe we had Dan Hamuse on the back end that was younger. My, you know, myself, Hutch. After that, you know, Brian Lumbaum, Vern Fiddler. But we didn't have your first-round draft pick, young guy that was coming in that was, again, I don't want to say immature or whatever, looking out for themselves. Wants to fast track. We had a group, a collective group, that were all, you know. The lines were set. Everybody knew their role. Everybody bought into their role. And the, the mood didn't change. We were confident and comfortable. And, uh, you know, a couple bounces, I think, in those games. I think one of them was in overtime or their one-goal games were close. I, I think that our, you know, our mood stayed the same. We, weren't, we didn't stray from the plan. And to me, that's a big thing at this level, too, is – you know, you, you want to win by five goals. Well, how do you win by five goals? You got to go gotta by. You got to start by, by one, one, and yeah. you can't get three. You can't get a field goal in hockey. So I think we just stayed within it. One of the there are every organization probably has this, but there are a few goals in Admiral's history that sort of like you, you know, as someone who's a uh, part of it, you remember exactly. You can picture it in your head, and one of those goals happened in the second round. 
double overtime against Chicago. Mentioned, I remember it. Do you, it, did you see the puck go in the air? Just tell it from your perspective here. Absolutely. I was sitting on the bench, and I think only a few people saw it, how that, that goal happened. It, I, I can't remember who scored it in the NHL yesterday, but the, it's like the puck went up in the air, about 20 feet in the air, and nobody followed it except for Tony, who was on the ice. And, you know, some guys on the bench, obviously we could follow it because things happen a little bit slower on the bench, and you can see it. You can see it happen. Tony's looking up, just waiting for it to come down below, you know, legal level where he could – and he hit a single into the net, and obviously we win the game. Right. And obviously I was on the bench, but that's, to me, one of the biggest goals, whether I scored it or someone else scored it, in Admiral's history that I remember. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next day or two days later, Libor Pivko scores into an open net trick. And uh, I think we were talking about this at the All-Star game. And uh, you, you, I claim that he did it on purpose. You say there's no way. He goes, slides in front of the Chicago bench and gives them a, you know, gives the old fist bump like I just uh, shooting an arrow into the stands type of thing. Yeah, I, you know what? I don't think Libor did that on purpose. I really don't. I think he was just excited in the moment and chose to do that in in my opinion in the wrong area of the ice as he goes down on one, the ice is pretty big as he goes down on one knee coming back towards our bench you know throwing the the finger out pointing mm -hmm. what you know was it at their bench was it over their bench let's be honest he's, he was he's european that happens more over there yeah did he do it on purpose i don't I don't think he did but he paid for it for for doing that in the rest right. of the series right absolutely you know he was public enemy number one for for them so especially for the rest of that game where they had the last minute of the game it was uh yeah no not so, not great so that was obviously a big part of the uh, playoffs that year as well and that just shows how many guys we had step up in in the playoffs is you know someone like Libor was coming in he gets a hat trick and he had a ton of skill himself the names we talk about on that team the veteran guys they, it seemed like they were all sane you know, even the goalie, Wade, you know, Wade Flaherty. Calm, and, and, right? And, like, yeah, and, and Herc. And it's it just kind of like, ah, we've been there, yeah. done it. Who, and Aaron, who told us just the story the other day about playing in Chicago and in the playoffs and Brad Tiley's behind the net. He sends a pass right up the gut. They picked off back of the net before Flaherty can move. And everyone is like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. And Flats is just like. Dougie told us that. Doug told us this, yeah. yeah. Doug Agnew. And, yeah, then Flaherty just says to Tiles, "Ah, that one got away from you, huh, bud?" <laughs> and that everyone the, just like the two the two of them were such common. I remember being, you know, at faceoffs, I'd be lining up and I'm trying to think of what the what the saying was, but Flatsy would be he would just set everyone at ease. You'd, you'd skate into the circle or he would call me over right before a faceoff. And he would have a joke for me right before a faceoff. Right. In your own zone. In our own zone. And how many goalies do that? Goalies are different. So, you know, for him to be able to play, when I say that loose, to be able to, you know, recognize when the team needed a joke or a, a calming down, he was, he was there. And goalies have that impact on a game. And whether they want to or not. Whether they want to or not. And they, they set the tone for the rest of the team. And he was one that always knew what buttons to push and uh, obviously with, with his experiences was able to lend that to the rest of the team and help us along the way. Those games go seven games, six games, five games, and then four games in the championship series against Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Um, I know Claude and Michelle Terrian got uh, got heated. Got a little, yeah. Uh, yeah. Michelle Terrian was, was pretty hot on the bench a couple of times. When you see that happen, um, 
was it Jim Vandermeer was in Abbotsford the one time, right? The, the, the famous yes, right. event yeah. where he was yeah. tearing his shirt off or whatever, right? I mean, <laughs> there, are, there are things like that. When you see that as a player, is it hard? You know, well, I shouldn't even go, go that far. A guy you know very well, Vernon Fiddler doing the Kevin Bieksa impression. But things like that happen. Do you do you lose it as a player when you're sitting next to, or, I, or do you have I, to be cool because that's I a championship Mich series? Michelle Terran trying to climb over the glass in between the benches, and yeah. and I was sitting on the bench right there, looking at him, being like, "What the heck is this guy doing right now?" <laughs> well, we call we we I think we went up three nothing. Yeah. Or four, no, we were I think three it was nothing or four nothing, and then they scored to make it four one, and I think Claude called a called time a timeout. Out. Yeah. And to me, that's not a bad play. Right. right. I don't know what Michelle Terrian's yeah. upset Especially about. Especially if you're playing sloppy. And like you manage your team, right? We reset, and <laughs> Michelle Terrian did that, and I think that gave us a boost as to, okay, they've got panic over there. We're we're in a good spot. Our staff uh, did a great job, and I don't want to say outcoached, but I know that they have diff they had different philosophies on how to approach things. And mm -hmm. they in, in that playoff run, What's really impressive is that Milwaukee six o I think six overtime games six wins and you scored at least I think two of them one in game three to yeah. basically I don't want to say clinch the series but you go up three o you're not coming back and that was in Wilkes-Barre and uh, take us through that play I, that I, goal I remember getting a whack in the head in front of the net and still uh, finding a way to to jam it in I remember they. You know, they had the puck surrounded except for a little hole in the top, and I came down the middle and was, you know, when I say able to, I believe it was a rebound out, out and I yeah. was able to, you know, to find, it. Her, find it and shove her back home and being in the right place at the right time. You said something, so you, you've said it several times in the last couple of years that, that you and I have talked, and it's so interesting to me. Um, and, I, and I heard a basketball, I heard Charles Barkley say this, and I think I actually said this to you about Charles Barkley saying it, and you told me that that's how you felt. In the regular season, superstars get their teammates involved. In the postseason, when the money's on the line, the superstar takes over. And you sort of felt that way. You were going to have more of a pass-first mentality or 51-49 maybe, but come postseason it was 80-20, if, if not higher, Well, I that think you were shooting. Well, over the course of my career, I, I tried to always make the right play. Whether that's – I was told numerous times I needed to shoot more to <clears> – <throat> You know, if I scored 50 in the American League, it would have given me the opportunity to play uh, as a full-time NHLer. Well, I made the play that was, in my mind, right at the time. Right. The game is fast. And in postseason, my thoughts were, okay, it's a tighter checking game. If I take the puck to the net now, it's going to open up more things later on in a game or mm -hmm. later on in the period or later on in the series. So I, I always thought, with a little bit more of a shoot first uh, mentality, if I'm on a two on one, if the play's questionable, I'll I'll take it to the net or or you know shoot far pad for a rebound or shoot yep. to score, making those plays. And I, yeah, that's you know, my parents, my dad always talked about you got to shoot more, you got to shoot more. Well, I, I absolutely. <laughs> and the same thing, same thing with management. I you know I one general manager said what exactly what I just said. If I would have got fifty, you know, you'd have a full time spot. That's there's no guarantee right. there. There's yeah. And there's no guarantee there, absolutely. Yeah, if but the queen had balls, she'd be the king. You exactly. Know? <laughs> that's, sorry, that's a Ray, yeah. Ray Greenberg special. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. But it's, it's, all, it's in the regular season, everybody, you know, I, I wanted my teammates. I loved when Greg Klassen scored. You know, he was someone that the smile on his face when he scored, you know, would boost a team all in itself. So 
if you find someone open and, and you're rewarding them as a centerman, I, Vern Fiddler, reward them for being dogs and going to the net and getting into the corners and getting the pucks all the time. If I reward them, they're going to get continue to go in those spots. Come playoff time, if they're in those spots, I still give it to them. But if, if I have the opportunity to shoot and they're driving through, guess what? If I don't score, they're going to get a rebound. So it's creating good habits that we can – you know, I, one thing I think Claude always tried to do is at the start of the year, you know, the coaches – coach the team and at some point they hand off the team to the, to the team players, right. to the players and in a player's perspective that was kind of my mentality it was okay I want my line mates to believe in me and through the year I distribute as much as I can still making the right plays but come playoff time if that play is questionable then I'm going to make the right play or the the play that I see appropriate which is teams are they check tighter in the playoffs so yeah. if I have a, a, a puck you know they're not going to stray towards me and and leave a guy open back door. So they're going to they're going to play it either taking that guy away, relying on the goalie to make the save. And I was I I just thought I read the plays a little bit more um, sharply in the playoffs. You know, to your sort of point about the checking and the physicality in the playoffs, I was just going through highlights that I'm sending out to the media in advance. You come in here, and they're all almost all the goals that we have are from the playoffs. And on every single one, there's a guy draped on your back, right? <laughs> like, and this is before different rules, different rules. Say, yeah, this before is, the lockout, but, yeah. but you're a small guy, right? So you need to know how to use your body and you're not going to be not the strongest guy. So you need to know how to use your body and handle how to hold off guys. And like, you're not shooting the, you're not shooting at a hundred miles an hour. So you had to really be cerebral and know how to play to have success. No, no question. And I think, uh, you know, I'll give my, bro my brother's credit for beating the edge because I was small, how to protect myself and put myself in situations. And I watched too many hockey games of theirs and, and learned on a daily basis from that. I don't think kids these days watch enough hockey and, and learn that. And f for me, it was, uh, you know, I, I thrived on going to the net and trying to find those rebounds and being a, a disturber right. to the other team. And you know, when I say being a dog, being a hound, going to get pucks, you know, earlier in my career, I think I had more, enough energy to be able to do that. Later in your career, you don't necessarily have it. You got to be a little bit smarter. But um, that's something that I always I, I tried to do is, you know, I was the scorer. I was skilled, but I still had to put in the work to get, you know, get those chances. All the stories of that team, you finally it, it finally culminates with the championship, obviously. And you said yeah, how no question. special it was that you know, the American League um, in Milwaukee, you guys all kind of lived together. You did so many things together. It's just the nature of of this league, of the of, of where you played at the Bradley Center and, and how far you lived and all of that stuff. But you win in Pennsylvania. Um, what's what's that like when the fi when you finally hit 0-0? Zero, zero? And you, I mean, you've probably known for... Yeah, we're up 7 to 40 minutes, whatever. 40 minutes of game time, this thing is over. I think we, the oh. first period, we... Pretty much took it, stuck it to him. <laughs> yeah, took out any hope. Exactly, and you know what? It's it's what you work for. Yeah. It's June at this point. Guys are tired, but for whatever reason, our team got stronger as we kept playing that year. And uh, you know, to to be able to at the end of the day, you know, raise the trophy, drink out of the trophy with the everyone in the locker room. My parents came in the locker room after that game, and uh, I had some buddies drive down from home and. To be able to share in that, and after you know, close to 100 games that year, it's it's special, and it's it's a feeling that once you win once, you want more. Yeah, and 
you know, guys who have never won before, I don't think they get it. I don't so think is they... it as good, better uh, the second time? It's got to be at least as good when you do it with Chicago a few years later. It, it's it's just different. I, I was at two different points in my career right. at, at, at that time. When we won the first time, I didn't know any better. Let's, right. Let's this be your honest. second year here. Like it's first year was rookie of the year. Second year had a you know a little bit of a rough start with with Claude and you got hurt. Just I got hurt. Uh, what was your injury? Ankle, uh, sprained ankle, yeah. or broken ankle, sprained ankle. Um, and and being able to win, and then in 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 Chicago, uh, you know, I I got my first NHL opportunity right right before. Uh, playoffs there. I was diagnosed with throat cancer that year, and Buddy Myers and the the team in Chicago. Uh, after we won the Calder Cup there, you know, presented Sarah with the game puck, and you know it it was special in its own in its own right. And just like great, I, I but different. Say great but different. Great yeah. but different. I wouldn't say one's you know better than the other in any way, shape, or form. It just. Uh, to be able to win at any point in time is you got to be thankful for because sure. you, you never know when you're going to get back. Sure. Even even as good as our team was there, yeah. he was a rookie rookie goaltender, and you know that doesn't happen too often no. either. So no, you, I'm I'm curious with the celebration. It's one thing in Wilkes-Barre, but now you got to come back to Milwaukee, and nobody lives here, so there's no, you know, there's no ridiculous. Alex Ovechkin, two-month-long <laughs> thing because right. everybody's yeah. got everybody's home. got their leases up. You're going back to Toronto, everybody's right? leases up. You got to get yeah. out. At that point, I think we were week to week or whatever it was. At the Blats, they took care of us and, in terms and of they half were, the they guys you maybe never see again. True, true. So for us, it was um, middle of June. By the time we had our exit meetings and we're you know on our way, it was. You know, a week of fun here. And Does that just feel so ridiculous that you got to sit? We just won a championship. Yeah, guys. why let's, do I have to sit here? Do why are you going to tell me, <laughs> right, what my board play wasn't very good, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> what do you mean it wasn't good? It was awesome. We just won the Calder Cup. Uh, that's. I don't know that's what they said about you, but, you know. Uh, well, again, I wasn't one of <laughs> wasn't one of their guys. So. Yeah, right. Um, you know, I, I'm, you know, I've received a phone call from, you know, Mr. Poyle and Mr. Shiro and, uh, obviously, they appreciate what I did here, but it, at the same time, my goal was to to make it to their team, and obviously that didn't happen. But um, you know, nowadays to to receive the call from them, you know, to appreciate what I did, and maybe that they either misevaluated me or you know whatever. It, it's good to hear, but it doesn't change doesn't the fact yeah, I did no. I didn't get that opportunity that I, you know, still feel I didn't get the opportunity. So. Right. As good as you said, as good as winning feels, and as awesome as it feels. It, it also makes you realize how much losing sucks. Oh, no question. And the next year, it sucked more than anything. Any loss has ever sucked, as far as I'm concerned. With well, a, that was a cliff. That was, yeah. Right? That was, you guys are the, maybe the best team in Admiral's history. Right. Yeah. Best talent, for sure. It's the, it's the lockout, lockout year. Yeah. So Ryan Suter and Herkus and yourself and Hamus yeah, and, and, and Tutu, Tutu and up, yeah, Upshaw. Everybody's here. I'm just stacked. The league was very good, but we were, we were good. We were really good. I, that's the year I broke, broke my ankle because I came back for one game before playoffs or. I don't. I don't know if my ankle was quite ready for that playoff series, but yeah, no, well, I think I missed about 20 games that year or so, and no, that was. That playoffs for me was difficult. Trying to, trying to play on, on a bum on wheel, one, one leg, one leg, pretty much. It felt like, uh, again, especially with being smaller, trying to take hits and ankle not quite being, 
you know, as ready as I would have liked at that point in time. But, you know, you want to be there in playoffs. You want to be there competing with your team. And I didn't want to be sitting out anymore. So we, a uh, uh, couple, just uh, we'll move through that season pretty quickly here. But uh, at the end, of maybe you weren't even playing in the game, but something happened in the end of that year that almost never happens in hockey except Pecorine just did it. Yeah. We're in San Antonio. Toots is actually on, is doing. He's doing with Kyle, yeah. He's, do, he's on with Kyle. And uh, Seamus Kotick scores a goal. Were you in that game? Yes. What t- t- take us through that? What what happened there? Well, I'm just and, and where Sh- were you? And what Seamus it was? And I, Seamus and I were friends. We went for lunch and dinners. And uh, when I say friends, everybody was friends. But we we spent quite a bit of time together. And um, he wasn't one of Nashville's guys either. So right. it was he was an AHL contract. Well, AHL he didn't contract. Play many games, and yeah. for him to be able to you know get the puck, and as soon as it went in the air and that puck's going towards a far blue line. Everyone's getting excited. And, you know, when it crossed the line, it's like we had won the stand. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing a goalie score a goal is something that obviously happens every couple of years almost. So it's it was pretty cool to see that. What's better, watching a goalie fight or watching a goalie score a goal? Um, Good question, Aaron. That, That's that a is, great that question. Is, I, I don't know if I can Tell that to that Andre because, DeVoe. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I can, you know, it's obviously pretty cool to see a goalie score a goal. That's, it doesn't happen all the time. And for, at the time, goalies were just starting to play the puck more and more. Yeah. yeah. You had your, your Mike Smiths and that, but there wasn't many you of played them. played in Iowa. You would have played against him it, in Iowa, it, for well, sure. I remember their breakout. There's get him the puck, and especially if they're on a penalty <laughs> kill. Is that right? Their, their forwards would take off right down towards our zone because yeah. he would shoot it down. He was their best penalty killer. Yeah. So... You know, it's that's a cool that's a cool thing to see goalie fights. I'm trying to think how many we I saw that I played. I don't with. remember any in Milwaukee in your time. To be I, honest, in, in in Chicago, I don't think I saw any either. So. Yeah, really. Yeah, interesting. So it rarer is, than rarer than oh five oh six, the team gets back to the final. Unfortunately, loses to Hershey in six games. Um, but that year too, uh, stacked. Stacked. I mean, you look up front yourself. You had 92 points. And what was ridiculous to me, as I was looking this up a couple of weeks ago, you didn't get a first or second team All Star. Yeah. That year, you had 92 points, 92 and you points. didn't get. You did, which is just it. It tells you. I mean, that year Houston had Kirby Law, Eric Don, Westrom, Don Patrick Mc, O'Sullivan, and Don McLean. Yeah. Don was McLean scored Grand 55 Rapids. in Grand Rapids. I mean, yeah. it, but it, it, you don't see numbers like that in the American Hockey League anymore. I guess is the point that I'm trying to make. That 92 points. That should win you every trophy possible. And it, <laughs> and it didn't. It, it didn't get you anything that year except for a chance to score 35 more in the postseason. I blame that on our PR guys. <laughs> <laughs> good, good for you. Absolutely. Yeah, need a campaign. You know. <laughs> Before we get to all of that, though, at the beginning of that season, um, and you'd said I think you have a feeling that you're not one of Nashville's guys, so you're, you're going to be back in Milwaukee for one more year at least. Um, but then the sale happens. Harris Turr buys the team. I don't know if you felt a crunch financially from the office, if it ever felt that way, if you had any knowledge of what was going on. But when Harris comes in, I'm just curious how uh, things changed, if they did at all for for you guys as players. Uh, I wouldn't say other than other than just that, you know, it was a, it was a new front This office. young guy is around, yeah. He's around, and you know what? He was great. He was personable. He was... Um, I like that in terms of, uh, you know, ownership being around and being there and trying to get a feel for it. Yeah, it was the first year, but it was, you'd like to see that. It's yeah. better It's better than never seeing and then 
not wanting to win and not caring. It's it. He definitely showed that uh, he took an interest in the team. Yeah. It wasn't just you know he, he they got the team and it was let's just field whatever's out there and you know yeah try to try to lose money. That was you know there was still that feeling that that there was the sense of care involved. I was. And if you ever met Harris, he's that type. He's very caring, very. A uh, very genuine person. I was at a party at the end of that season in Madison, and Kirk Dobbinsbeck was there, and Kirk was the backup goalie for Hershey in that series. And Kirk said to me, if we didn't get Chris Beach in a trade, we would have never beaten you guys. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I definitely agree with that. I, he was a – you know, he, he added that extra layer. Unbelievable player at this. The uh, extra layer of, of – when I say depth, he, he's not a, he's de- not a depth, depth guy. Player, he had 50 points it, in 48 games or something like that. But it it would have made us that much stronger. And right. He's a huge guy yeah. with skill, plays center. And he added a different element that when I say our line didn't add, he added, you know, he played puck possession where he could be the one just to hold on just to Just hold the puck. the puck, right. So, it, you know, that's probably what we needed against Hershey. It was right. A, it was a little bit more of that. Yeah. That so. season, that season, Pekka kind of emerges, right? It's his first yep. year in North America. And I mean, you I, guys knew I Brian Finley. When, but I remember when uh, Mitch Korn made, when I say a small change in Pekka's, uh, when I say stance or, you know, approach of keeping his glove up, it changed Pekka into a dominant goalie on our team. I think the first part of the year, his glove was, it's probably getting a little too technical, but his glove was down. And yeah. In practice, you could score all the time. As soon as he kept his glove up and he, he was – I went from scoring. It felt like – I'm not saying every shot, but I felt f- comfortable coming down and shooting high glove. As soon as he kept his glove up, now I was questioning where the heck I'm shooting. Cause right. He, it completely changed his style and the way that he made saves, and which translated into games, and he was phenomenal. Yeah. Are there guys that you know that they're, they're ticketed for it? Like, or have there been, maybe the better question is, if there, have there been guys that you thought were ticketed for stardom that never, or at least an, a regular NHL job that didn't make it? You don't uh, necessarily have to make name names. No, but, but I, think, I think back then management always wanted, you know, their first rounders, second rounders. They're going to get preferential they're getting, treatment. They're yes. getting every opportunity because otherwise they look bad. And let's right. be honest, hockey is a business. Yep. So they've got to make those decisions based on, you know, multiple different reasons and, but guys that, you know, came in, I give credit to management that throws that to the wind and gives players like Rich Peverly an opportunity. Yeah, right. That, that when I say come out of nowhere, when Rich came to our team, you could see that he had the skill and speed speed to be able to play at that pace. It was everywhere. And, and letting, yes. And, and I think I, uh, we said to Rich, he was on this a couple of months ago, but we said to Rich, not only did you get the chance to play in the American League, but more importantly, you got to play the role that you were suited for rather than right. be the guy he who comes up line to play three minutes as yep. the 11th yep. forward well, uh, out there. Well, his, it was him 2-2 two, two two an upshot, yeah. right? Was, like, isn't line. that crazy? So as our second or third third line or whatever they were. Yeah, you and Claussen and, uh, and, 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 uh, and Gamash. Gamash, I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and then you had Pivko and Durno and um, so they they were somebody else you know, yeah. offensively they they you know I don't know what their stats were in that but I, I felt like we were deep in that beach would have helped and yeah, yeah <laughs> right, <laughs> right, sure. right right absolutely but no guys like that that's I give credit to management for 
identifying, okay, your first rounders, you know, there's one in Atlanta that didn't work out that, you know what, they, in, in Chicago, Don Levin wanted to win. Right. And if you're a first rounder and he comes into the room, He'd let you know you're not playing well. You're, you're first <laughs> Is that right? But, but but that was in the past. Don right? would do that, huh? What are you doing for me lately kind wow. of thing. Whereas I don't want to say here and I don't want to throw, you know, Nashville under the bus at all. I, It, it just other organizations don't do that. They right. don't hold them accountable. And that's sometimes they need to well, be held that's accountable. That's fair to say. That's right. 100% fair especially to say. Ba- especially back then. I know it's a little bit different now. The game's changed and, uh, you know, it's they, still you're – you want to give those first rounders. You want to make sure they develop and and, and turn into players. The, the league's gotten younger, so it's speaking, definitely different. Speaking of first round, that first in oh five oh six, we're playing in the first round against Iowa, and Nashville is in the playoffs also. So they've got Shea Weber, Scotty Upshaw, Jordan Tutu, Pekka Rinne up there. So we're we're depleted a little bit. Finley gets hurt, and so we've got to go. To, we're down three games. We, were we up three one? I think we were up three one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then went and then lost two in a row. And uh, I mean, I was freaking out. Of course, like <laughs> I wouldn't have told anybody that, but I was definitely like freaking out. And we because we've got to start for game seven. Jake Moreland, who by the way, as we're taping this, just celebrated a birthday yesterday. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so which is pretty interesting. But yeah, so Jake Moreland comes in. Um, but there's also a surprise for Game Seven, right? That day, do you remember the what the surprise was that that Nashville sent down sent Toots, down. yeah, to play? But Claude doesn't want anybody to know it. Like he tells me, you don't even put him up on the lineup sheet. I want the first time that Dave Allison. These are the nuclear codes, right? These are, yeah, the first time Dave Allison sees Jordan Tutu is in warmups, and maybe he held him out of warmups too, or maybe that's just <laughs> that's just uh, PR yeah. PRism. That's the yeah. legend, yeah. Uh, but. Like, you got to have confidence in your goalie. Can you have confidence in a goalie, though, when you've never seen him play before? You've just seen him practice. Uh, well, that's where it comes to the team. Sometimes when, when you have a goalie that you haven't seen before, you make decisions on the defensive side of the puck, and we took care of the, our zone first. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, there's we live in Toronto. We see a team that – doesn't always do Dude, that. that so uh, yes, right. That's, they haven't right. Met that's, their the menta- that's the mentality you have to have and you should have in playoffs anyway. So for us, uh, I think, you know, it, it, when I say it helped the team, let's, let's be honest. That's not what I mean by that, but it's we're unsure of what we're getting there. We're unsure of, you know, with missing a few guys, we're, we have to find a way to win and taking care of our own zone, it makes you lean that way anyways. Yeah. Well, first minute of the game, Tutu puts a guy into the third row, uh, and then he scores, then he the scores goal. a goal. And then, like, after that, it's like, okay, we're we're fine. Didn't it seem that way? I, I think when I say I felt fine, Yeah. I, I think, you know, as, as a player, and again, you're – I'm still younger. I, I, and I don't want to say you're, you're dumb, but you're – you just go with the flow and – that's part of being a competitor is, you know, we're definitely seeing Toots come in and, and play like that gave our team a boost, no question. And scoring a big goal like that, absolutely. So it's – I feel like you guys – that you you and Gamash and Klaas and your line, I don't know, we don't keep didn't keep on ice stats back then, but I feel like you guys were out there like every other shift. Yeah. Like he, Claude was putting you out there, every defensive zone face-off, get out there. And – 
Uh, I, I don't like I said. I don't know what the stats are, but I bet you played 27 minutes. Before it was 11 forwards at that time. The next year they made the switch to 12, but it was still 11 forwards in that 0506 season. And that's I, I think that year with Claude, I played. You know, if it wasn't that year, it was the year with Craig McTavish. Those are the two years I played the most in playoffs. Obviously, we didn't go deep in the with Craig McTavish and Carl Taylor as our as our coaches. Right. But I played. I, I I think I felt like I played every other shift, and you're right on that. It's and that gave me the confidence in in being out there all the time. When you know a coach trusts you as an offensive player, it's so much easier to play. That club. It was yourself, and, and but you, you look at the blue line. Eventually, Shea Weber comes in back from Nashville. Sheldon, Sheldon Brookbank. Brookbank, who was your third-pair defenseman and ended up winning the Eddie Shore the next year Kev and won Stanley Cups. Kevin Klein. Um, I think Kevin Rick Klein ba- played forward for a game at the end of that year because he didn't he wasn't didn't crack our top six D or yeah, yes. Rick, or Rick Barry was, had come in Claude right was trying to push some buttons or something yeah absolutely I think you're right <laughs> so and that just shows how deep we were on the back end and how scary we a were. guy who would go on to play 500 games in the NHL Greg Zanin gets sent yeah. down to the ECHL I may that might have been the year before but he played games in Rockford or it wasn't the ECHL it was the I IHL yeah. they were reiteration the reboot of the IHL um but like which was the UHL yeah, UH, which, it was yeah, the UHL yeah, 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 I can't remember Rockford, it's a long yeah, time yeah, ago yeah, look yeah, it up yeah, on hockey yeah, DB yeah. for if you're yeah. really curious how much did Greg Zanin talk <laughs> did he ever stop no he never stopped whether it was on the ice or off the ice but you know what you got to give him a lot of credit it's he, he's an undrafted he's, free agent he provided he and that's another pickup that you know turned into something that you know management doesn't always give an opportunity to and his communication on the ice how loud he was and how <laughs> right. some, sometimes some would say the... he was annoying, but it, you know what? If, if someone's talking, communicating like that, it's like a six man on the ice, and he provided that without question. Sometimes at the Bradley Center on Wednesday nights <laughs> in everybody November, yeah. Yeah. The, the sound reverberated a little bit, so everybody could hear what Zan, when Zanon was on the ice. No question. And everyone could hear what he was saying, even if it wasn't kid appropriate. Say, or in the locker room yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Was there too much time? You, you, the seven-game series with Iowa, the next two you sweep. You sweep Houston, a very good Houston team, and you sweep a very good Grand Rapids team. And that, that Grand Rapids team, I mean, Jimmy Howard in goal and Hoodler and Philpula, and then we mentioned Don, Don McLean, McLean scored yeah. 55. And, I mean, really, really good hockey teams. But now you got to wait like a week. two weeks. Uh, it was, it was a week, and then it was another week between game two and game three yeah. to go play in Hershey. Was that just too long for you guys? Is that Abs- Absolutely. At that point of the year, even – in Chicago when my brother Jeff got married I missed three days like that is it feels like an eternity during playoffs that's it can easily hurt you some teams some coaches think that you know rest is is good at that point in time but if you're on a roll which which we were keep keep going keep going and absolutely you know a week off and then going down there practicing at their other arena and it felt like we had it felt like two different series almost. Yeah. You know, you play a couple of games and then you've got so much time off that y- your mind wanders a little bit. Yeah. Well, where they 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 were in a hard series with Portland with Corey Perry and yeah. Ryan Getzlaff, yeah. and they had to they had if I'm not mistaken they played a game six and then had to wait like six days to play game seven and that's what caused that was the Everything cause. Everything was in thrown the, off. Yeah, exactly. Was thrown off. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, we any should wrap. Get, get think, start thinking about wrapping up here. Yeah, we probably should. Uh, 
the uh, we won't get into too much about what happened in you know the rest of your career, even though you go on to this long. Well, you story. won every individual trophy. I you mean, won two championships. You, yes. you had a thirty. What was it? A, was it a thirty-nine game point streak? Was it thirty-nine games? Uh, 39. 39 the next year. Not that we're counting. AHL's <laughs> uh, all-time leader in postseason points. Yeah. Um, and just a remarkable career. So remarkable that you're just last month inducted into the AHL Hall of Fame. That's got to be sort of a thrill of a call to get from Dave Andrews saying, Absol hey, absolutely. especially for your age, you're young. I mean, I don't want to compare you to all the other people in there, but they're <laughs> not young. They're old. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's again, you don't play hockey for individual recognition and it it's almost weird to to get this recognition and to you know, obviously it takes playing with good players, uh being on good teams, having good uh, play for those teams and be playing into June and playing meaningful hockey games in playoffs cuz let's be honest, some of the guys playing in the American Hockey League, they want their season to be over so they can go do we've whatever do whatever they need to do. We've unfortunately seen many of those. And that's to me that's a problem. So for uh for all this recognition I'm speechless. It's it's awesome. It's there's no words to describe it and I'm just hoping I don't see any uh, Darren Tradar signs tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned that in, in Ontario, and I, I don't remember seeing those, but that's creative. I don't either. That's no, that it's is pretty good. Creative. Yeah. You know do you know how many people? Do you know how many people we deal with that say, "Why did you trade Hadar for Ramsey a bit?" Yeah, <laughs> we get that all the time. <laughs> I guess if you want to look at it that way, yeah, you look at it that uh, way. Yeah, but, but I, I mean. Nothing against Ramsey a bit, real good Ramsey player, yes, yes. But we did then. But he played for Chicago, and coincidentally, uh, that's how it worked and, out. And 15 years after the fact, uh, a guy who's playing for us now, Daniel Carr, who is uh, a lot like yourself. He's the smartest guy on the ice. He always makes the right plays. And he was the AHL MVP last year, and now we traded for him this year for a player to be named later. We don't know who that's going to be. <laughs> that's right. But he just signed as a free agent. But So now, actually, the PR guy, uh, Lindsey Wilhite in uh, Chicago, after we signed Daniel Carr, he's like, oh, so this is finally revenge for the Hadar thing. <laughs> I was like, yes, it sure is. There we go. It sure is. There we go. Real quick. Um, I got one thing, too. Yes. So, no, go ahead. Well, I, uh, so I, I want to finish with, if you don't mind, um, you were diagnosed it while you were playing with multiple sclerosis. Yep. Uh, how are you doing? And, and, and again, I don't, if, if you're, I, I think you're comfortable talking about this because you become a big um, supporter and financial. Advocate, and, yeah. and Yes. And so how are you doing? One um, and two, explain what you're doing to help the cause and help help the fight against the MS. And is there things that people here in Milwaukee can yes. do? Yes, yes. Well, know? from my understanding, there's the, this weekend, the, you know, the jersey sale, the jerseys that are being auctioned off are being donated the to. The money will go to the MS Society of Wisconsin. Of Wisconsin. Including so one that, you don't even know this, that you will wear for a puck drop tonight. Okay. And we've auctioned that off already, and that went for almost $1,000. Awesome. That's great to hear. And, you know. And we said that you'd pay for the jersey, too. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's one dollar, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, on my side, I, I'm living with MS, uh, MS fighter. Uh, I have daily symptoms and, and such that, you know, they, they, when I say they affect me, they affect me, but they don't affect me. I'm able to go on carry a, a daily uh, routine and, uh, you know, I, I 
nothing has changed on my side. I'm fortunate in that way where others aren't. And, mm -hmm. you know, one day will that happen to me? Most likely I'm, you know, I'm a realist and uh, that will probably happen. But uh, I've, I've got a golf tournament that I do in the summer as well to, to raise funds and donate to the MS Society, uh, the Hamilton Halton chapter in, in our area. And uh, over the course of, um, uh, of three years running the tournament, we're, we're close to $200,000 being raised. That's and great. Uh, towards MS and uh, if for me obviously it's close to home but it's such our community at home is has been fantastic in supporting that cause and, and reaching out for not only myself but for the whole MS community. Wonderful. Wonderful. Was that what, what you wanted to finish nope, with Nope but that's perfect. That's okay. a great way to end it. Excellent. We can't thank you enough for for not for sharing the memories but like I said at the outset uh, you've always been very gracious with your time and uh, with us, uh, Charlie and, my s and, and me specifically. And uh, uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Thanks for having me on. I'm truly honored by uh, all you guys are doing for me. Very good. It's the great Darren Hadar. His number 20 is retired by the Milwaukee Admirals. Just the uh, sixth number, yep. eighth player, player yep. to have his number retired by the Milwaukee Admirals. That'll do it uh, for Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. Thanks for listening to the Milwaukee Admirals podcast. One opportunity. Seize everything you ever wanted One moment Did you capture Just let it slip Yo His palms are sweaty Knees weak, arms are heavy There's vomit on his sweater already Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous But on the surface he looks calm and ready To drop palms But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down The whole crowd goes so loud He opens his mouth but the words won't come out He's choking how Everybody's choking now Run out, time's up, over, loud, snap.